Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of him, for he knew what was in man. John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Jesus comes into Jerusalem and performs miracles. It says that many believed in his name, but still he did not commit himself to them. The word translated here to commit in this passage, in the original Greek text, was pestio. It means to trust or to put confidence in, right? Like when you are in a marriage covenant, it's because you trust the partner, so you commit yourself to them. Jesus did not commit to them, even though they believed in his name. But they believed because of the miracles that he did. But Jesus knew what lie within. So in other words, they believed in Jesus. But he didn't believe in them. Wow. What a revelation to jump off the page at us today. And I have to admit, when we read this, we have to be a little taken back by it. A little shaken even Maybe, but we need to ask the hard questions here. Why? We really don't have to go any further than what we've already read to get the answer. It says very plainly right there in the text that he knew the heart. He knew that they were chasing after the superficial. The miracles were amazing, fun, and exciting. But would they still follow him through Gethsemane? They liked being given something, but would they be willing to give up some things? Just because they called him Lord, does it mean that he accepted them? He knew what was in their heart. My friend, we've got to lay aside this Americanized Christianity. It's not the gospel of Jesus. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus teach us? We think we're going to be saved by faith in Jesus, and we don't even believe what it is that he came to teach us, what it is that he has to say. We create our own gospel. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, that not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you're not getting in solely on the merit of your profession. Profession is important, but it's only a part of it. What he's really trying to get to is the heart of it. So Jesus says, it's not those who call me Lord that will enter the kingdom of heaven, but rather it is those who do the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name, and in thy name even cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Then will I say unto them, says Jesus, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. 
lawlessness. If God says it, it's law. And if we don't obey it, then he's really not the Lord of our heart. Now, this is not something that we can do in and of our own flesh, strength, or ability. But if we truly love him, he said we will keep his commandments. So we have to, by faith, come and sit and fellowship and commune with him. To know that he died for us, that he loves us, that he wants to save us, that he wants to bring us in, that he calls us his beloved, that he made a way to bring us into marriage covenant. And we have to accept the proposal and then we have to be a bride to him. We have to abide, submit, love, cherish, desire his presence. This is the will of the Father that is in heaven. We have to love God above all, love Jesus, and love the brethren. We have to maintain our fruitfulness. And our fruitfulness is not the abundance of our works. These people in this passage did many wonderful works, but they weren't fruitful. The fruits are the fruits of the Spirit. It's the character of Jesus. It's submitting when the Holy Spirit pricks us. When he tells you, I never said that, be silent. Don't go there. Don't do that. It's not time yet. When he says, be kind, forgive, go bless them even though they don't deserve it. When he says, walk away, choose me today. It's time to pray. When the two become one, we no longer get to make our own decisions. And that's the true nature of marriage covenant. We go with him through whatever season he wants to bring us. We trust him. That's what a bride does to her husband. Jesus says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded. Upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, and the floods came and blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus talks about a great house falling down in the midst of a storm, right after addressing those who thought they were his. Because they professed his name, but had never given him their heart. They were still doing what they thought was right. They never became a real bride. My friend, I am here to tell you today that there is an Americanized Christianity that is so counterfeit and contrary to the real thing. It's Ashtoreth, it's Diana. It's Samarimus. It's Jezebel. It's not only an adulterous bride. It's a bride filled with pride that wants to be worshipped and do things her way. She wants to be in charge. She wants to be the groom. She wants to lead. She thinks she knows what to do. And it's not all right. So God's going to have to come and cleanse the church. 
oh, he would love to have revival. But let's face it, if there's a revival and many come to salvation, where are you going to send them? Do you know enough churches at your location that could take in a mighty influx of souls and lead them into the kingdom and not into greater deception? That's why while the world is praying for revival, God is saying, I'm bringing reformation. Because reformation tears it all down to the ground, starts back from the foundations, builds it back up again, something pure, something built on the truth of the teachings of Jesus. Why keep reviving a prideful, showy, counterfeit, prostitute bride you know there was a scripture in the old testament that talked about israel and god said that he found her as a young girl wounded and battered and bloody and that he took her in and he raised her up he cleaned her up and he turned her into a real bride that's the essence of reformation when god starts from the bottom picks a few no-name nobodies, some little ones, some kids, some humble servants, and teaches them from the ground up. Relays the foundations of biblical truth, the teachings of Jesus, untainted by politics and ambition, traditions of men, or doctrines of demons. Reformation is when it comes back to the words of God and not men's opinions. In the time of Elijah, God made fire come down from heaven in the sight of men. And they immediately professed him to be God. For a moment anyway. Because only a few verses later they were back to worshiping Baal. Because you see that those who look for manifestations for validation will simply follow the next thing that they see, even if the next thing is not of God's spirit. Yeah, they might follow God for a moment, but in the next they'll follow the counterfeit because they're chasing the miracles, the signs and the wonders and not the truth that they came to validate. You see, the Bible says that in the end, the Antichrist spirit will work in signs and lying wonders. In other words, there will be miracles to validate a lie. Don't be surprised. This happened in Egypt too, but the enemy's power is limited, unlike God's. But there's another thing that God has caused me to see in Scripture, that in the time of Nehemiah and Ezra, God used them to bring the word of God back to a people who truly did not know it. They had been under counterfeit teaching under Babylonian captivity for so many generations. They knew of God and they thought they knew him, but they really didn't. And it wasn't until Ezra came and read the word of God to them that they began to realize how far they had strayed from it. They began to weep and to cry and see their need to realign with it. And when that happened, the changes lasted for generations. The two examples that I just gave you is the real difference between revival and reformation. When the Pharisees asked Jesus for a sign, he told them that they would get no sign other than the sign of the prophet Jonah. For one, Jonah preached the words of God. 
they saw a man who had been three days in darkness and then brought back up from the depths different than when he went in. They had a witness of Jonah, but we have the witness, the testimony of Jesus. A man who preached the word of God, who just like Jonah warned that there is a judgment coming, a wrath that will be poured out on all the earth. It will be destroyed and except we repent, we will all likewise perish. And he spent three days in darkness and came back from the depths different than he went in as a witness and a testimony of the message that he gave us. Jesus said, this is what you get, not a performance. We have the words of God and the testimony of Jesus. What more could we ask him to bring us? And it not be utter pride, arrogance, and callousness. Yet he does give us more. He allows us to see lives transformed by his miraculous grace every single day. And yet we are still so enamored by gifts that can so easily be counterfeited. This is not wisdom. The gifts and callings are without repentance. Therefore, my friend, it is better to treasure the fruits of the Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. Gifts have their place. But do not chase after them or put your faith entirely in them or you will be deceived by the counterfeits, the Janus and Jambers and the Antichrist spirits. It is the gift giver that you really need it. And lastly, don't be fooled by those who follow you because of the miracles that God does through you. Check the fruit to see what root is in the heart. Think back to our opening passage. They believed in Jesus because of the miracles that he did, but he did not commit or put his confidence in them. Check the fruit, my friend, to see the root that is in the heart of those around you that you allow to work with you in the harvest fields. Just because someone flatters you today doesn't mean they won't be voting to crucify you a few chapters later. A heart humbled and changed by the truth of the word of God will stand, while a heart impressed by gifts will quickly move to what pleases them next. As they ever seek to feed on another manifestation until they end up following an antichrist spirit shouting, Crucify him to the truly anointed. In Matthew 24, verse 23, we read this, Then if any man shall say, Lo, here is Christ. Now understand that Christ is not Jesus' name. Christ means the anointing or the anointed one. So when they say, Lo, here is the anointing. Here is Christ. Or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ, false anointings. And false anointed ones. And false prophets. And shall show great signs and wonders. Insomuch that if it were possible. They should deceive the very elect. This is some very serious warnings that were given to us in scripture. 
if we have eyes to see and ears to hear it. Paul said, O church of Galatia, who hath bewitched you? The church has been hypnotized, and I'm trying to bring you back into a little bit of reality today. So let me give you a little bit of history, because I'm trying to show you what is really needed in this generation. Revivalists have more or less historically been worshipped, while reformers have been murdered. Yet the work that the Lord has done through them transcends generations and dispensations of time, bringing lasting changes through the ages. Their blood has watered the seed of the church, while their words change minds and lives. Real growth comes through blood, the blood of Jesus and those who have followed him. Him living and breathing and having his being through them, continuing his work in the earth. And make no mistake about it, all of whom I have just mentioned died because of the truth that they spoke, not the miracles that they performed. So which do you think the devil fears more? Take more time seeking God to learn the word and getting his heart so that you can rightly relay it. Than you do chasing after gifts and quick, false, fleshly importations. God is not impressed by any of it. He is not committed to those who seek after it. He is committed to the Ezra's, the Paul's, the John the Baptist's that sit alone for years in the word before going out to warn the wicked to repent and to come back into alignment with what God has already spoken. This is the work of reformation. Not to get men to follow after you because of the things that they see you do, but to teach them to relay the foundations of biblical truth no matter what it costs you. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, we read this, even him, speaking of Jesus, whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. In other words, Jesus is coming back again, my friend, but it's not going to happen until after a great deception, a working of Satan that will be falsely validated by power, signs, and lying wonders. This is the danger of judging the tree by the gift and not by the fruit of the Spirit, like Jesus taught us. The passage continues, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perished, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. What does the Bible tell us? That the truth shall make you free. But because they did not love the truth, it says that God would send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. If the manifestation, if the word, if the gifting isn't pushing you closer in relationship with Jesus, if it's not pushing you to holiness, to righteousness, to selflessness, to humility, to manifest the fruits of the Spirit, to purity, to standing for the truth that God came to deliver us, to get you to speak it, to repeat it, and to be it with all due diligence, then it's counterfeit. 
I don't care how miraculous or flashy or impressive the manifestations that accompany it. I'm trying to tell you this because there is a great deception coming. But there's also a great work of reformation. But it's going to be very humbling. So if you want attention or vainglory or to be seen as being mighty, you won't be part of it. In Revelations chapter 13, verse 13, we read this, And he doth great wonders, speaking of the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast system, so that he maketh fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell upon the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image unto the beast, which had a deadly wound and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast, that they should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell except that he had this mark, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Yes, the enemy likes to flaunt it, so he does put literal 666 on many things, We see it in political bills that are marching us ever closer to the mark of the beast. We see it in the culture and in the media. We see it in barcodes. It is the marker of the beast system. But it's much deeper than what you're thinking. Because six is not just the number of a man. Six is the number of man. And there are three sixes because there are three parts to a man. We have a spirit that influences our character. It is the very voice that comes out of us. We have a soul that is the mind, the will, and the emotion. That is the part that says what I think, what I want, and what I feel. And we have a body. All three must be surrendered and submitted unto God, who is also a three-part being, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we are three-part beings. We were made in his image. We have to be submitted in all three areas. That's why salvation comes by faith, through grace, unto good works. Our soul, our mind, our will, and emotion has to choose to believe the truth so that then our spirit can receive the cleansing and the power of the Holy Spirit, which is grace, that then empowers us to do the impossible things of God's kingdom. That is the works. It takes all of it. But if you still trust in yourself for any part of it, it's Antichrist. So those that follow the Antichrist are going to trust man with their soul, with their spirit, and with their flesh. They are going to be solely committed to the Antichrist spirit 
and not even realize that they are married to Satan who will be judged in the end and will not be able to cover them from the judgment that is coming. You see, my friend, the mark of the beast, it's placed on the forehead or the hand just like the Shema was in the Old Testament. And the Shema was a marker of being in marriage covenant. It was like a wedding ban for Israel. So are you married to Christ or are you married to the world? Do you trust in him or do you trust in men? Are you going to follow personalities and performance? Are you going to follow manifestations and traditions? Are you going to follow the doctrines of demons? Or are you going to follow Jesus? Because he gave us the truth and the truth will set you free. Who you are can be crucified and buried with Christ. And when you die, you are freed from that old husband, as Paul tells us in the New Testament. And the new man that is resurrected will be in marriage covenant with the Son of God who will protect us from the judgment that is coming. Revival is important, but only this kind of revival. We can't keep reviving old systems that are so polluted and convoluted and broken. They're cisterns that can't hold any water. We need the real thing, even if he's got to tear it all to the ground and start over. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.